Good day to you ladies and gentlemen and welcome to Film Focus episode 29, the double review for Power Rangers and Ghost in the Shell. Howdy, ladies and gentlemen of the North, South, East and West, and welcome to another episode of Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad you decided to join me again for some film discussion. Now, I do have to address something right up top. It has been three weeks since the last episode, and I have to apologize for that. This podcast is technically a bi-weekly podcast, so when my reviews were meant to come out for last week, it was just a very messy time. I had a lot of stuff to do with work, I was traveling into London... And um, there, there was a lot of stuff going on, so we had to post things back by just a little bit. But yeah, hopefully things should be working themselves back out now, because the last three weeks have just been so messy. Getting back to the film stuff. So yeah, I've been trying to get back into the cinema because like, I've I've been so lazy. <laughs> trying to get to the cinema has just been an effort. When you're working and then you just want to go home and do nothing, that's that's just me for the time being, but... I knew I had to go back and see some of these films because I have a podcast to do. So, even though I'm primarily going to be reviewing Power Rangers and Ghost in the Shell in this episode, I did want to take a few extra seconds, minutes, just to talk about Get Out. Now, I'm not going to actually do a review for that on this podcast, but I just want to share my quick thoughts here. Get Out was really darn good. As a person who's not really into horror and doesn't like to buy into the hype with certain films that I'm not overly interested in, I saw the trailer for Get Out and I was like, what the hell is this movie? All these really strange and interesting images, all this talk about, like, you know, race and really strange people and that bit with the deer in the trailer is just so extra. And, all you know, obviously there was all that hype about the film coming out of America. I was just like, mate, I'm so happy for Jordan Peele because this is such an unexpected move from him going from, like, you know, comedy to horror and it was just like what how has this guy created something so well on his first try and it's made so much money in america so you know the film came out just over there before it came out over here in the uk so i was like this film can't be that good right i mean it'll probably be good but i don't expect to be overly impressed with it the film was really good it was really smart really well done the performances were solid it had a really interesting story overall some really interesting themes and uh, it was bloody funny really good it was just unexpectedly great and like by the time the film was over i'm like mate this is easily one of my favorite films of the year and i did not expect that again as a film in the horror you know series so i'm like what, what's going on here but yeah get out if you haven't seen it already you know check it out it's some good stuff um believe the hype because you know it met my ex- expectations and it, you know it exceeded them as well so yeah get out good stuff good stuff so with Today's episode, I'm going to be talking about Power Rangers first, because I saw that one first, and then Ghost in the Shell afterwards. Um, So yeah, we're going to start the Power Rangers discussion just about now. So, Power Rangers. Before I get into my review, I just want to give you a little bit of background history as to my experience with the Power Rangers series overall. Now, as a kid growing up in the 90s, I loved Power Rangers. It was literally one of the sort of things that just spoke to, like, you know, little boys running around with their, like, you know, toys. Because, obviously... 
the show was really fun, but it also made you want to run over to your parents and be like, yo, mom, get me the latest Megazord. Can I have, like, uh, this Ranger? Can I have this uh, bike or model or whatever? I had at least three or four of the Megazords from the Mighty Morphin and Zeo era of Power Rangers. Um, I had a good few of, like, you know, the Rangers... And, oh man, I loved Power Rangers as a kid. It, it was just the coolest stuff ever. These multicolored superheroes running around beating up on the putties and all these other random monsters. And then when they got into their Zords, they all formed together. And it was so badass. And I loved the theme song. I loved all the characters. Zack is my boy forever. And I loved Tommy with a Dragon Zord. And then when he came back as a White Ranger as well. I know my Power Rangers stuff, man. And since it's... Like, you know, 2017, and it's more acceptable to be, like, you know, a fan of anything these days. I can admit that I watched Power Rangers straight through from Mighty Morphin up until Wild Force. So, yeah, by the time Wild Force came out, I think it was, what, 2003 or 2002? So, yeah, I was watching Power Rangers long after it was within my age bracket, but I just was curious to see where it went. And while a lot of the series, I'm not sure I saw the whole way through is in every episode. Um, you know, I had a lot of my... Uh, favorite Power Rangers experiences just going growing up just watching that stuff on like you know early mornings before going to school so my Morphin was my era and then after that I really got into um, Lost Galaxy and Time Force and Wild Force those are my key Power Rangers series after that I can't remember when Ninja Storm came in but I didn't really like that one so I skipped that one and then I watched Dino Thunder and that was my that was one of my other newer, newer favorites not as good as the previous ones but still pretty good I think was it Power Rangers SPD was the last Power Rangers series I gave a go at before I was just like, yeah, I'm not on this hype anymore. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> um, but yeah, Mighty Morphin, I respect it, love it. Sure, it's a cheesy, silly kind of show, but it just had a lot of really interesting, like, you know, was it material. Plus, the hand-to-hand -hand combat was great, and the Megazord fights were cool. I, yeah, there's just a lot of really fun stuff in Power Rangers. So when I heard that they were going to be making a reboot, I was just like, oh, they're going to try and make it all dark and gritty just because that's the way in which a lot of people said that they would accept the new Power Rangers film if it was a little bit more serious. And obviously after that bloody fan film came out a few years ago, everyone was like, oh, that's the kind of Power Rangers we want to see. And I'm just like, oh, come off it, mate. That was just so over the top and unnecessary. I mean, sure, a little bit more seriousness from the Power Rangers and maybe a little bit more darkness would be of interest to me. But not to some super serious adult, like, you know, was it 15 slash R rated version. That's so stupid. And it goes against the whole foundation of, like, you know, was it what they did with the whole Super Sentai slash Power Rangers series when it began. So, yeah, I was curious. And then when, as the film started coming together and the market started coming, I was like, so this is this weird, like, you know, Breakfast Club meets Chronicle kind of thing. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. But it's got that, like, you know, the black dude from uh, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. So I'm like, mm, yeah, I like him. And with Elizabeth Banks in there as Rita, I was just like, mm, we'll see where that goes. And it's like Brian Cranston and Zordon. So I'm like, yeah, boy, Heisenberg is like, you know, a floating head in a wall. I can get down with that. So some of the changes that they made to the new reboot from what I saw in the market and made me believe that this could be something of interest. So, I saw the film the other day. And you know what? It was alright. I don't love it. And, yeah. 
<laughs> I'm gonna get into it in a second, but yeah, Power Rangers is all right. So, as per usual, I'll get into the story, the characters, the presentation, and then my overall conclusion at the end. So sit back and uh, we're gonna do this thing. So the story for Power Rangers can be described as the following. This film tells the story of five high school students, all from different walks of life, who have their lives changed forever when they stumble upon an old alien ship and acquire superpowers. And during this period, an enemy known as Rhea Repulsa surfaces and starts causing chaos. So the heroes must band together and become the Power Rangers in order to deal with this impending threat. And that is the story of the film without going into the area of spoilers. So yeah, the story, it's not bad. The film basically takes the core elements of the original TV show and then adds a new take on it when it comes to the mythology of the Power Rangers, how they got their abilities, you know, the sort of line of Power Rangers that came before them and the relationship between Zordon and Rita. And literally from the beginning of the film, if you're a fan of the Power Rangers lore and you see what's happening in this film, it's definitely different. But I think it's a smart and interesting kind of different for the way in which they were, you know, taking the core foundation of this, you know, series, but then adding a new sort of more sci-fi spin on it. And that's the kind of stuff I appreciated. My only issue with, like, you know, some of this new mythology and some of the story elements with some of the, you know, background with some of these characters is that it's not dived into enough. I feel like we got just the tip of the iceberg and sure you could go about and um, expand upon this kind of stuff in the sequel films which obviously they're planning like I think was it six more of these or something I'm like are you mad man I mean sure the Power Rangers TV series has a lot of material to you know warrant an extra several films but six additional ones on top of the one we have right now good gravy man they are looking like, you know, right into the future. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm not sure you're going to get that far, but we'll see. We'll see. But anyway, getting back to the point I had, I appreciated the new mythology. I did. I just wanted a little bit more of it. Some additional flashbacks or just some conversation between some of these key characters where some of this backstory applies would have just helped this film out tremendously. It would have added so much more. And as it stands, it's just like, it's good. But I wanted more levels, <laughs> more depth. And again, it's not like this film doesn't add that. The way in which they go about and um, also change up some of the stuff with the Power Rangers characters themselves and the overall story structure is interesting. Some of the stuff works and some of the stuff doesn't really work for me at all. And it's not that I'm completely dismissive to it, it's just that it didn't tickle my fancy personally. Also, this film happens to have a much more darker, more grounded and serious approach to the source material. And I appreciated that, but I don't think it was entirely successful. Sometimes the film fluctuated between being serious and humorous, and even though the film is based on a pretty crazy concept, there are just some really random and illogical moments and plot points that just took me out of the film. And of course, again, you're looking at a Power Rangers series that is going a little bit more serious but still is trying to embrace those old sort of more zany out there elements and I appreciate that but there's a way for it to be written where it feels cohesive and not so jarring and yeah I just found it a little bit you know strange. So when it comes to the cast I thought they were all solid actors and they did well in their roles however some had more screen time than others so not all of them felt as developed as they could have been. Now some of these actors have like pretty questionable names so my pronunciation might not be completely solid so let's start with Darkree or Darcy Montgomery 
who was just fine as, you know, Jason the Red Ranger. He had a nice sense of screen presence as the leader of the team, but I felt he was just a little bit plain. He was a bit of a rebel, and you could see that he wanted a little bit more from life. And I can understand, like, you know, some of his character motivations, but overall, he just... He just didn't feel like an interesting Red Ranger to me. The same can be said for Naomi Scott who played Kimberly, the Pink Ranger. Scott was fine in the role and I liked some of her backstory but as a character again she just didn't have that much going on with her to make me care about her that much. Now the next three Rangers happen to have a little bit more meat to them and these are the three that I started to like a little bit more. So first you have Becky G as Trini, the Yellow Ranger. Honestly, at first I wasn't really too keen on her character, she was just a little bit too emo and she just didn't want to interact too much with the team and I felt like she came in at a point in the film where the rest of the characters had, had a little bit more screen time to be developed and stuff and by the time she gets her moment to shine, it's a welcome bit of like, you know, extra meat for her to have but I feel like if she had been introduced in the film a little earlier it would have allowed me to attach myself to her a little bit more. But yeah, the Yellow Ranger had the first bit of like, you know, was a depth to her when it came to, you know, finding out a little bit more about her and her sexual orientation, which obviously there was a big hullabaloo on the internet about, oh yeah, Power Rangers being the first superhero film to have an LGBT character in there. And I'm like, okay, um, this better be significant. And it was barely a thing worth mentioning. I appreciate that I was in the film. But the fact that they had to make a big hullabaloo about it before it even came out was just pointless. <sighs> Stupid media. Anyway, but yeah, Becky G was fine. Um, next you had Lundy Lin, who I liked as Zack. But at first, I'm not going to lie, he was a little too zany and strange for me. But when you find out about his backstory, he started to grow on me. And he has um, just some really fun moments in the film. But the real star, the MVP of this crew is R.C. Tyler as Billy Cranston, a.k.a. the Blue Ranger. I knew I liked this dude from the time I saw him in Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, but in this film he acted with such charm, charisma, and he was great. And I knew that he had something going on with him, but I wasn't too sure. And then one, one of my friends told me who has autism said that that's what he had. I'm like... Oh, that makes so much sense now. And I have a lot of friends who are autistic, and it's just like, he got those little mannerisms re down really well. So I'm like, this guy, he has some of the best scenes, the most fun scenes, the most notable, memorable scenes in the film, and he's easily the best ranger out of the set of them. Where some of these other rangers was a little bit plain and, like, you know, a little bit bland in terms of their personalities, Billy more than made up for it with every bit of personality he is the one you want to be friends with out of this group of people oh and another thing i liked about the cast is their interactions which felt a little bit more realistic and fleshed out than the original show and the fact that these characters had a little bit more backstory than the original tv series because obviously with the tv series these characters had personalities and besides certain episodes where they had a specific focus on a certain character where you got to you know, get inside their mindset and have them, you know, overcome some sort of, like, you know, trouble, you know, either personally in their own personal lives or, you know, as a ranger. Most of that kind of stuff was forgotten because, like, Power Rangers was primarily episodic and there was only certain episodes that had, like, you know, continuity. So it was nice to have a little bit more um, realism inserted into these characters and some of their, you know, backstory stuff as well. And I loved the uh, main connection between Jason and Billy. That was very much appreciated. 
Okay, so now for the rest of the cast. Brian Cranston as Zordon was fine, but I really wish he could have had more screen time and a little bit more, you know, uh, backstory added to his character. Um, he was good, but just not as great as I would have hoped. Bill Hater as um, the voice of Alpha 5 was fine. At first, I didn't like the voice at all, and it felt a little weird, but overall, I ended up liking him a lot by the time the film ended. <sighs> And then you have Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa. And I'm just going to say it right now, I did not like her at all. While the original Rita in the show was all sorts of weird and annoying on occasion, she was crazy and fun, but in a good way. Banks' Rita is just some generic, boring, zany character who just feels like she's in a totally different film than everybody else. And considering like the backstory of her character, I really wish they could have just given us a little bit more. Some more flashbacks and some more, you know, levels to her to make her more interesting than she was. She just didn't come across as anybody to fear or be afraid of. She wasn't sinister. She was just boring. And now we move on to the presentation of the film. And here's the thing. It was fine, but just not amazing. Visually, the film was shot pretty well, and there was some decent action in certain moments and some of the you know visual effects was pretty decent as well though for me the CGI was just not as detailed as it could have been in certain sequences especially during the giant monster fights and some of the putties and also I'm just gonna say it right now I'm not overly keen on the design of the Megazord or the just you know the separate Zords in general what they did to the putties was just ugh, horrible and Golda come on now that was completely wasted, idiotic, and just, you could have called him something else. Just because of the name, you had to go about and call the big giant gold monster Goldar, and it's just, you know, it's stupid. Um, the design of the suits is, like, you know, a little bit more tolerable in the film when you actually get around to seeing them, just because there's not that much suit action in the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And, um, yeah... This film was missing one of my favorite core elements of all of the Power Rangers series, the hand-to-hand -hand combat sequences. I know I tend to harp on this a little bit more just because, you know, I'm a massive fan of martial arts, but in a show where the martial arts was at the forefront of almost every episode with all the different types of enemies that the Power Rangers fight, there was barely any hand-to-hand -hand combat in this film at all. There was nothing that was creative or well choreographed. There were just some minor action beats where you had some punching and kicking and it was fine and serviceable, but it was nowhere near as much as it should have been. There should have been far more hand-to-hand -hand combat in and out of the suits. And uh, I know that there was a lot of setup that needed to happen for these characters in order for you to care about them, but more action would have been welcomed, very much welcomed. So yeah, this film dropped the ball completely in that department in my opinion. And the film score from Brian Tyler was fine, it had certain moments of interest and it was definitely tapping into the Tron Legacy territory on several occasions, but you know, it was just, it was just alright. So in conclusion, Power Rangers, the 2017 reboot was fine. There were elements that I enjoyed, but there was also a lot of stuff I didn't. It did some interesting things, but I also think there was a lot of missed opportunities. And how much you enjoy this film will depend on if you're a fan of the source material or not, and if you are a fan, whether you'll be able to accept the new changes, or if you won't be able to accept the changes at all. If you're interested, give it a shot, because there's a lot of people that seem to like the film right now, 
but then there's also people like me that thought it was okay, so Power Rangers, it's alright. Okay ladies and gentlemen, so now we're moving on to the Ghost in the Shell review, and I'm going to be honest, this one will probably be like slightly less in terms of time, just because I don't have as much to say about you know Ghost in the Shell as I do with Power Rangers, because like Power Rangers was a massive part of my life, and to a degree still is, whereas Ghost in the Shell, I have like, you know, a fairly limited history with that. So, um, yeah, be prepared. So, anyway, I'm just going to give you a little bit of history before I get into the actual review itself. Now, Ghost in the Shell, I have been apprehensive about this film before it came out for a good while, and there are a number of reasons for that, and I'm obviously not the only one because there's been a lot of people talking about, like, you know, was it this adaptation long before it came out, because Ghost in the Shell, along with Akira and Robotech and a good few of these other anime adaptations, has been stuck in that sort of development hell for a good while, and there was just loads of points where people seemed to pick it up, and it dropped, and for a while, just a lot of anime fans were just like, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, you're gonna ruin it, and for a little while, we were just all content with the fact that this film was trying to get made, but just wasn't gonna happen, and then sure enough, the film gained traction, it gained a director, who I don't actually like, and um, then it gained its lead character, and then the world blew up. Now, I'm not a massive fan of Ghost in the Shell. I didn't see the film for the first time until 2008, and um, that's when I was during, that was during the period where I really started getting to anime, and my mate would say, oh, you haven't seen Ghost in the Shell, you know, the film that inspired The Matrix, you really need to see it. So I watched it, and I was like, I appreciate it for what it was, but it wasn't really my cup of tea. It was very interesting, but as an overall film, I didn't really have a clear idea of what the hell was going on half the time. There was just a lot of layers to that story, and it's not that I'm like, you know, super dumb or anything like that. It's just that when a film has as much layers as Ghost in the Shell does, it just, it didn't capture me. But the interesting thing was that the sequel, I liked a heck of a lot more than the original film. Either way, I thought Ghost in the Shell was, you know, uh, an interesting experience, but I knew as soon as there was going to be a Western live-action remake of it, things are going to get a little, you know, lost in translation. And obviously, once they had cast, like, you know, Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> the issues began. Now, I don't want to get too much into this whole whitewashing controversy because, like, you know, we'll be here all day. But, yeah, when Scarlett Johansson was cast in the film and as the lead, everyone was just like, Why is it not a Japanese actress? This is from a Japanese animation. Hollywood's whitewashing again. And, uh, you know, even the original, like, director of the uh, first film was just like, Yo, man, she wasn't necessarily a Japanese character. And even if she was... The fact that her character was being, like, you know, created in a robot shell means that she could have been, you know, white for all intents and purposes. So, yeah, like, there's just a lot of really interesting and, you know, strange ways to look at this whole thing. Me, personally, when I first heard about it, I'm like, okay, they need a name for this film to try and draw audiences in. I can understand that. Movie stars still, like, you know, is it attract audience members? And Scarlett Johansson coming off of, like, you know, the sort of high that she's been riding with, like, you know, the Marvel films, and especially Lucy, even though that film wasn't that good at all. I understand why she was put in there. Though, I would have preferred a Japanese actress just because it would have given someone unknown or just on a slightly lower level, like, you know, a little bit more, you know, exposure to the world. And after a while, I got over it. But my main issue with the film was just the fact that it was being directed by Rupert Sanders. Just because, one, he directed Snow White and the Huntsman, which was just an alright to kind of 
pants kind of film and also the fact that he did all that stupid foolish adulterous kind of stuff back in you know 2012 and it's just like i i I didn't want to direct in this film basically so yeah that that's basically my history with that you know whole palaver but yeah the market started coming out for the film i was like this film looks really pretty but i don't know if i'm gonna you know enjoy the film overall but the film's out i've seen it and you know what it was okay as someone who didn't have any expectation for this film going you know going ahead i was just like this was actually a little bit better than i expected so i'm going to talk about the film with the story characters and presentation and give you my overall thoughts so you know sit back and relax and we'll We'll continue to dive into this rabbit hole. So the story for Ghost in the Shell can be described as the following. Cyborg counter-terrorist, Phil Commander, the Major, and her task force Section 9 thwart and humiliate criminals, hackers, and terrorists. Now they must face a new enemy who will stop at nothing to sabotage Hanker Robotics and the artificial intelligence technology that they are creating. And that is the story of the film without going into the era spoilers. Now I thought this film had a lot of interesting ideas when it came to what it is to be human, free will, the future of technology and the pros and cons of being cybernetically enhanced and so on. The thing is, if you've seen any sci-fi film before involving robots and technology, then a lot of these themes and concepts will feel familiar. And what I appreciated about this film is the fact that they did at least a good job of presenting some of these elements. However, it is mainly surface level. I don't think this film had the right writers or director necessary to make you think and feel about these, you know, themes and concepts on a deeper, more dramatic and emotional level. And it is fine for what the film is, but I feel like the material that they have to work with in this film and some of the stuff they, they, you know, are clearly trying to get into just doesn't work in that thought-provoking level. I feel like this film, if it had someone like a Ryan Johnson working on it, when you see what he was able to do with Looper, which is one of my favourite, like, you know, sci-fi films in recent years, you know, sci-fi thriller, um, I feel like his sensibilities and, like, you know, whoever he got to write that film with him you know, would have worked wonders for this film. You just need a director who happens to know about, like, you know, what's it, the genre, and be able to add levels and depth to, you know, the source material. And Rupert Sanders' is like, you know, direction in this film is okay at best. He can still make the film look really pretty, but when it comes to the substance of the film, it is just, it's not enough. And granted, there are a few moments that I like, and there was one emotional moment that... It worked, and it was a nice little moment, but out of the entire film, I feel like it would have resonated so much more if the, other, if the rest of the film had, you know, allowed you to, you know, get super deep into those sort of dramatic moments and then allow you to have that sort of emotional payoff when that, you know, scene happens and then whatever else happens after that. So yeah, for the most part, the film was pretty interesting, but there was just a few moments where the film slowed down, and some of the information that the characters were going on about just didn't matter to me. It just felt like pointless jargon that just needed to end quickly. And don't expect me to do any comparison between this film and the 1995 film, because I haven't watched it for, again, nine years. So <laughs> besides some visual similarities that I might have noticed here and there, I would not be able to tell you specifics about, like, you know, it was the story. From what I remember, though, the anime film had so much more, you know, 
drama and depth to it and there was just a lot more going on with that film and I feel like this film sort of just threw that out the window and just attempted to go about and tell a totally different story which worked for this adaptation but if you're looking for something with a little bit more you know um if you're looking for something similar to the 95 film you you're going to be disappointed as for the cast i thought they were fine though only a handful of them really stood out and unless you were scarlett johansson you pretty much didn't matter <laughs> so let's start out with scarlett johansson as major mira killian and she was fine she handled the material the best way that she could and at times i felt like she was getting into that lucy territory where she couldn't express any emotion because of the nature of the character but for the most part she was fine the issue is that you know after all this like whitewashing hype and all that this character could have been played by anybody and i don't think it would have made that much of a difference at all the character still would have been just okay to kind of meh also seeing Takeshi Kitano in this film as Chief Daisuke Aramaki was pretty cool. Kitano has a nice screen presence and I loved his tone of speaking when he was in the film. He just had an imposing kind of presence. However, I feel like he was a little wasted in this film and didn't really have that much to do. Now this guy, I'm not sure if I'm going to butcher this name, Pilo as Beck as Bato, he was nice. I enjoyed his performance and he had a little nice uh, charisma and like you know charm to his character and Juliet Benoci I'm gonna say it like that again another name I'm probably butchering butchering as a uh, Dr. Olet she has some nice interesting scenes and you know some good moments with Scarlett Johansson's character as well so that was fine Michael Pitt as Hadley Cruz was pretty intriguing and has some of the most captivating character material in the film and also seeing Chin Han as Tokuza was also pretty fun and he has some nice scenes and then we have Peter Fernando as Mr. Cutter. He was just generic, boring, and not nearly as engaging as he should have been. Okay, now we're going to move on to the presentation, which is easily the best part of the film. From a visual standpoint, the film is great. From the trailers, you saw that this uh, world that the visual effects team had created was full of, you know, really interesting, you know, lighting, special effects, and really interesting cinematography. And... It's just really nice to look at. You can see that this film was clearly inspired not only by the original film, but also Blade Runner and The Fifth Element. It is colorful, large in scale, layered with all sorts of different details from you know the design of the robotic humans to the various holograms dotted all over the city. It was all very impressive. And you know, if this film has at least one positive you know, main thing that you can take out of the film, it's very pretty. The action scenes were fine. Some stood out more so than others, but I feel like they lacked a lot of impact since a lot of them you were able to see in the marketing beforehand. And I felt, you know, the action, while it was decent, I feel like it lacked some of the creativity that went into the visual effects. And the action scenes was just, they were serviceable, but they were bland and lacking in creativity for me. And some of the uses of slow motion was really unnecessary. Um, I know it was probably used for dramatic effect, but it just didn't work. And the film score by Clint Mansell and Lorne Balfi had some interesting moments, especially when it started tapping into the otherworldly nature of the original film score. But overall, it was just okay. Nothing to write home about. And so now that brings us to the conclusion. Goes in the Shell. It was alright. As someone who wasn't expecting much, it ended up being a lot better than I anticipated. Now, I'm not saying the film is great by any means, but it's not total rubbish either. 
I enjoyed some of the action and the visuals were really good and it has some interesting themes. However, the film just didn't have the depth and direction necessary to make it anything more than just an okay film. Fans of the original 1995 film will be severely disappointed if they were looking forward to this film at all. Um, people who are not familiar with the source material might get a kick out of it, but again, considering that there are films that have you know dived into this kind of stuff before and done it better, I'm not sure how much enjoyment you'll be able to get out of this film. So, you know, be prepared. You might have fun with it, you might not. And so, that brings us to the conclusion of another episode of Film Focus. Um, thank you for listening, and if you have any feedback at all, you can drop me a comment in the comment section below, or holler at me on Twitter where I am, thehypersonic55, or filmfocus55, or you can holler at me on my email where I am, thehypersonic55 at gmail.com. Holler at me on SoundCloud or give us a rating on iTunes. Any feedback or, you know, five stars that you want to give me would help the podcast immensely. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back on schedule pretty soon with, you know, all the other sort of stuff we've got going on. So, yeah, look forward to more material as it comes because I'm developing a good few things all at once for this podcast. And uh, I just need to make sure I can get it out. So, yeah, look forward to some new topics as they come. So yeah, thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen, and I will see you on the next episode. So until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 from Film Focus signing out. Peace!